Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 135, Myth Movie Night, Krampus. Yeah, I know we've done Krampus before as a regular episode, but the Krampus movie is so interesting and bizarrely good in ways I can't really describe that I felt like it was such a good choice to do. And also Christmas in July. Yeah, which is a, a great drink that I talk about in the episode, and I actually really enjoyed it. So we spent uh, the first little bit of the episode talking about the movie itself and the plot and kind of how it moves along and then getting into the mythology of it. So I felt like it was a great refresher on my Krampus mythology and just a really enjoyable time. I definitely recommend it for like, a, you know, a sort of dissonant like beach night. I feel like you're having Australian Christmas, you know, where it's like hot outside. I like it. I'm into it. I, I like summer Christmas. I'm a, I'm a big fan because like sparkly lights, but also palm trees. Yeah, it's the best. What's not to love? Do you know who I would invite to our sparkly light palm tree cocktail hour? I believe it would be our new patrons. Our new patrons, Sarah, Rika, Amy, and Sarah G. Yes, thank you guys so much. We're so excited for you to join in for our little team. And with unlimited drink tickets at all of the Spirits Happy Hours, our supporting producer-level patrons, Philip, Eeyore, Skyla, Christy, Mercedes, Samantha, Danica, Marissa, Sammy, Josie, Neil, Jessica, and Phil Fresh. And our legend-level patrons, Julia, don't even need to order their own drinks, they're just brought to them. Cody, yeah. Mr. Folk, Haley, James, Sarah, Sandra, Audra, and Jack Marie. Yeah, they just kind of get behind the bar and start making their own cocktails. Yeah. And the bartender's like, damn, those are some skills. It's like in a TV show or a movie where the bartender just inexplicably like gives the bottle to the patron, which I'm pretty sure is completely illegal. It's like that. Now you could have like bottle service, I think, and stuff like that at clubs. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I'm thinking like like in Lost Girl, where they just roll up to the bar and they like give the bartender a, a belaggered like wave, and then he just like puts the bottle in front of them in a shot glass. Like, how do you keep track of how many drinks they drink? I mean, I guess if they pay for the whole bottle, I don't know. This is <laughs> this is redundant. In any case, Julie, remind us what we were drinking during this episode. So we had some really, really nice beer sent to us from the fine folks at Harmony Brewing. One of the first ones, I think we pre-gamed with the Gritty and Pink, which was a Berliner Wise with a, like blueberry and hibiscus. It was really light and refreshing, but also tart at the same time. And then during the episode, we rocked out to the Smarty Pants, which is their traditional Goza, which also had an added punch of strawberry to it. So thank you, Jackson. You're the bomb.com. We really, really enjoyed the beer. Yeah, thank you so much. It was absolutely delicious. Oh, and Julie, that reminds me, uh, the sort of like beautiful, like reddish pink color of that Smarty Pants with Strawberry uh, reminded me of the cover of the book that I'm recommending this week. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. It is Red, White, and Royal Blue. Now, the internet knows about this book. Do you know anything about it? I know nothing about it. Please tell me more. So you probably will recognize it from from book Twitter if you're in book Twitter. But it uh, it is a lovely, so almost like YA feeling book, by which I mean it's like lovely. It's about like people's emotions. It's not about like angst and affairs. It's just about like a pure story of two boys falling in love. Um, <gasps> but it's like an adult fiction book. And it's about the first son of the United States and like a Prince Harry type <gasps> of England. I Amanda. cannot tell you how much I enjoyed this book. I, I devoured it in like... In like 12 hours. Like, I'm, I'm not even joking. I wish this author had more out. But yeah, this is by Casey McQuinston. And I wish she had written like 4,000 books because I would <laughs> read them all. Um, but it's red, white, and royal blue. I bet your library has a bunch of copies. It was absolutely fucking delightful. 
That sounds so incredible. I need to buy that right now. Also, uh, Casey McQuinston's bio that I'm reading right now on Goodreads says, Casey grew up in the swamps of southern Louisiana, Great Start, where she cultivated an abiding love for honey butter biscuits and stories (gasps) of big beating hearts. Oh, my God. Casey, my favorite person now. Yeah. So this is Casey's only uh, book so far that I can see. And I would just love to respectfully request that she write 14 more. That's absolutely fair and valid. And as much as we are gushing over Casey's work, why don't you gush about spirits to uh, to some of your family members and friends? Spread the word at beach trips, family barbecues, maybe a weekend by the lake, whatever you got planned for the summer. Tell some people about spirits. Absolutely. We don't pay to advertise the show. This is the way that we grow. And it would mean so much to us to have more conspirators on board as we reach episode 150 and beyond. So little listen, text a friend, open up their Spotify, or if they listen to podcasts, their podcast app, and show them how to listen. Take out an episode for them to start with. It's really lovely to recommend a show to somebody, not just the show in general, but an episode that you think they would enjoy. Yes, please do. I know that there's people out there that love things that are creepy and also cool. So thank you, everybody who's recommended us so far. And if you're going on a trip this long weekend, we hope you enjoy and bring spirits along with you. So without further ado, enjoy episode 135, Myth Movie Night, Krampus. Amanda, we we have, we've gotten through one whole big can. How, how big are these cans? A crowler. Yes. It's uh, like 32 ounces. I 32 think. ounces. That's a half a gallon. Yeah. Wow. We drank half a gallon of beer so far. We have. Uh, from Harmony Brewing Company. Thank you again. We really appreciate what you sent over. We're currently drinking the Pretty in Pink. We had, what was the other one that we had before? We had a strawberry something? Strawberry Goza, <laughs> I think. Yeah. I don't know. It was delicious. We drank it all. But now we're drinking the Pretty in Pink. And we're going to talk about a movie that we watched yeah, thank you so much, Jackson, for sending us the beer. That was really lovely of you. Yes, it was it was wonderful. And it's very refreshing. Um, it doesn't quite fit our, our movie choice for this uh, well, week. Well, it does, Julia, because, you know, Christmas is uh, red and green. And today we are drinking a beer that's a lovely pink because it's it's like Christmas, but different because it's July. Yes. And, it's, and much like St. Nicholas, but different, is the scary, scary figure of Krampus. That's what we're going to discuss today. Yeah, I, I picked Krampus because I like the idea of Christmas in July. It yeah. appeals to me quite a bit. And I was going to make us Christmases in July, <gasps> Christmas in July, which is uh, Eric Silver's favorite drink Ooh. of uh, lemonade with whiskey and maple syrup. Ooh. It's freaking delicious. That sounds delightful. But instead, we had beer from a listener, so we had to yes. prioritize that. But I will make a Christmas in July recipe card for our patrons later on. So, Amanda, the first thing I wanted to say was when I searched for Krampus, two other movies came up, which was Krampus Unleashed and oh, no. also Mother Krampus. <gasps> What's that one about? I don't know. I just looked at it. It was a scary old crone with some horns, and I was into it, but I had to press on, and we did the 2015 Krampus instead. Yes, it feels like moments ago and also so, so far away. Yeah, God, it's it's been so long. I was relieved to see that this movie is a, a tight 90. A tight Your favorite 90 minutes, thing. My favorite thing. I, I greatly appreciate it. I did also notice that it's much more fun not at Christmas to watch Christmas movies. Yes, it is. I have never been like a, like a non-seasonal Christmas movie watcher, but it was uh, nice and like, oh yeah, remember that time? Instead of being constantly around you at all times. Because this movie opens up with a really lovely like slow-mo montage 
of, I guess, just like a mall Christmas activity. Just the horror yeah. of shopping during Christmas yeah. time. It's it's horrible. It's horrifying. It was really excellent. And I was like, wait, is this going to be a good movie? Maybe? Surprise. It is that montage over It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas, which yes. I love slow, horrifying montages over very cheerful songs. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. It was incredibly evocative and really set up this idea of being like a, you know, a bad a bad holiday, a bad, bad time. family time. Yes. And the montage ties directly into the children fighting at the Christmas pageant, which introduces our family characters. Sure does. Family of characters. That's what I meant to say. This beer is very good. So we cut to a old movie version of The Christmas Carol where they're talking about how they're going to be visited by spirits in the night. Yeah. And what a good like referential Christmas movie thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we also see our old German grandma, Omi, making cookies in the kitchen. Yes. I was like, oh, excellent. Here is the Krampus angle. We have grandma prophecies. She speaks only in German. She has some kind of either rivalry or miscommunication with her daughter-in-law. This is excellent. We're really setting up for a lot of plot here. Tony Collette plays the daughter-in-law and the mother in this. And oh God, she's so fantastic. She's so good in horror movies. Yeah, she really is. And to kind of look at this performance and then know that she did Hereditary four years later or three years later is wild. (laughs) Absolutely wild. But basically, we kind of get the gist that the family is not into the quote-unquote true meaning of Christmas, which I love that being a plot point in all Christmas movies, even though we don't talk about Jesus at all. We barely talk about Jesus in this film, but it is what it is. And the only people who know the true meaning of Christmas are the younger son, Max, and the grandma, Omi. I'm here for the Max-Omi friendship. It's very pure. Yes. And so Max and Omi kind of have a conversation about you know, whether or not he still believes, which he does. And he asks his grandmother if she believes. And she says, I believe St. Nicholas is what you make of him. I'm like, and then she talks about giving and sacrifice and the sacrifice of giving. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. boy, here yeah. we go. Extreme. It's very good. Getting real dark. I like it. I also appreciate that most of the family members either understand German or speak German to the grandma. Yeah. That is really, really nice. And I like the idea of families perpetuating like their culture and stuff like that. There was a lot of like grandma speaking and then the kids like responding back in English, which I know is often how it happens. But I was also like, oh, yeah, these these poor kids didn't want to memorize a ton of lines in German. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I get it. You don't want to teach small children German. I understand. Yeah. And and we spend a lot of time um, from there on the sort of like family dynamic as it unfolds as the the mom's sister and her family come to visit mm-hmm. a bunch of really good performances here. Like they they are really enacting the like horrible, you know, extended family here for the holidays who you don't really actually care about, as Adam Scott is, says, like, we're related. We have to deal with it. That's kind of how it is. Yeah, basically. Uh, the daughter is upstairs Skyping her boyfriend who uh, is like, I'm going to smoke some weed for Christmas. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you're going to die then. Sorry. That's just how it works. You can't smoke weed in a horror movie and not die. I guess. I mean, it's fucked up, but it is what it is. So like you said, the relatives alive. Classically, everyone hates everyone. Uh, There's mentions of guns, which, of course, that means Chekhov's guns. Those guns have to be used at some point in the film. True. Actually, much sooner than I thought they were. Yeah, I was sort of fixated on like the weird, like, like sociopolitical, like, 
indications that are happening. Like, yeah. Like uh, the mom's sister is like mad that they're richer, but there is a lot of, yeah, a lot of like um, resentment and fighting that's set up this early in the film. Mm-hmm. And the, actually a ton of that doesn't really come to pass. Like we don't get a ton of closure on a lot of these like open loops, but we're setting up that this is a conflict filled holiday and yes. poor Max just wants it to be like it used to be. Yes. That is the key. Max really wants it to be like it used to be. And he asks Santa for it. Yes. And at the dinner table, the one of the cousins steals his letter to Santa and reads it aloud and embarrasses him and they get into a fight. Yep. Meanwhile, Tony Collette is angrily brulaying, which is such a mood <laughs> in the kitchen. It's extremely good. I'm just like, wow, yeah, that's that's right. That's so right. Yeah, and her like auntie comes, who is very much like a um a what what is her name in Harry Potter, the aunt who comes to visit. Oh, Aunt Vernon's Marge. Sister, Aunt Marge. Very Aunt Marge type of figure. Yeah. Uh, the actress who plays her has been in a lot of like Adam Sandler movies and yeah. stuff like that. I'm trying to remember. Mr. Deeds, I think, was the one that she was uh, she was in. And Big when we were in high school. Very, very good movie. Yeah. Good movie in the fact that it's an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> you know, you know what you're getting with that. So Max is extremely upset. He's crying and locks himself into his room and he ends up tearing his letter to Santa and tossing it out the window. And I go, oh, no, Max, that's how you summon him. I said, don't litter, but also summon Krampus. (laughs) (laughs) Summon Krampus. Because we see the letters like, you know, get on, like the little pieces go on the wind and they they get moved away. Um, And then it starts to snow. It starts to really, really snow. And suddenly the next morning, Max opens his eyes and it's like blanketed, you know, blizzard outside and there is an extremely scary random snowman Very in the yard and he tries to point it out to the adults and they're just like it's a snowman dude all right whatever i know but like it's in the yard where no one else should have made a snowman yeah. and clearly like evil is afoot yeah uh also the power has gone out in the house and i made a comment where it was like mm, tony collette good thing you have so many candles <laughs> so many candles i thought that too like how i was thinking like how many do i have on hand how many hours can i make it yes but her house looks like it's out of like better home than gardens it really so. does i also have a lantern with batteries so you we'll know. see you're smart tony collette just yeah. bought those because they look nice and probably smell nice and once they had to light them all, it probably smelled like crazy in there. Like a cacophony of scents. Your allergies would have been a mess. Oh, very bad. Also, there was a dog there unexpectedly. There was. Which... The, the family, the relatives brought their dog, which is kind of a plot point later, a little bit. Rosie? Yeah. yeah. Which is Jake's uh, old dog's name, which Aww. I was like, oh, no, poor babe. Which I was actually surprised a little bit. I, I, as the sort of movie takes a darker turn here and we start to, to talk about it, I was really not expecting like how, like what, what is the level of violence we're going to get? Are there going to be deaths? Are there going to be like on screen violence? Because I, I didn't have a good sense of the genre of the movie. So in a way that was nice because it kind of kept me guessing. Like yeah. I will say straight up, I had a good time watching this movie. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily call it a good movie, yeah. but I did have a good time. It's not like a fantastic horror movie, but yeah. it is entertaining to say the least. It is. So there's a delivery man who brings some DHL product placement baby very good and so he delivers some packages and they notice oh there's a big like red bag sack of stuff sack of stuff let's just drag it inside no and and wrap them like regular presents or they were already wrapped presents either way doesn't matter suspicious and also no one investigates it yeah, no, they, the sister-in-law signs for it and she just assumes it's like, oh, look, they got more packages right before Christmas. Yeah, like, some economic drama happening in this family. The daughter leaves to go check on her boyfriend because no. he only lives four blocks no. away. Don't let your daughter leave Don't in the middle of a her. blizzard. It's a blizzard. Man. Don't do it. 
Omi in the background has been kind of like by the fireplace and Tony Collette yells at Max is like, hey, go check on Omi to make sure she doesn't like burn herself. But then Omi turns around. She's made hot chocolate for everyone because oh, hot yeah. chocolate makes everything better. She's it, Remus Lupin. It was an extremely, that's very good. It was an extremely like dramatic shot as if we're going to see her turn around with like a fire poker in her hand, but it was hot chocolate and it made me laugh. But then it breaks bad. It breaks bad because the daughter walking out, it gets very, very dark in the blizzard. And all of a sudden she sees Krampus on the rooftops and she runs for it. But Krampus follows her. She dives under the DHL delivery truck, which is spun out. And she sees the guy frozen in his seat. Yeah. So like, what's the deal here? Was he scared to death? Did he get frozen to death? I think he was frozen to death, but also very scared. Yeah. He he was like open eyed, like mouth agape in horror. Like he was petrified. I know. The daughter hides under the truck. She sees Krampus's hooves. Uh, there's also, you can hear the jingling of bells, but it's because he has chains wrapped around his body that also have bells on them, which yeah. is accurate to the mythology. We'll talk about the at the end how accurate this version of Krampus is. Yes. But has the chains with the bells. Daughter is attacked by a creepy jack-in-the-box after Krampus leaves. Uh, oh, and- I was I was looking for that word because I was like, wow, he left a creepy music box behind? Oh, no, the music box opened. What could this be? It's a jack-in-the-box. <laughs> yeah. Yep, there it is. And then they cut after her being attacked to another creepy snowman in the yard. Yes. Mm. Oh, no. Who, who could it be? What could it be? Well, like, she's fully attacked. It seems like it ate her. Yeah. It, like, it extremely, extremely broke bad. And I was very surprised. I like yelped out loud in my living room. Yeah, no, it was very scary. And we see the Jack in the Box appear later too. That's true. Mm. Omi gives kind of a cryptic message to them being like, don't let the fire go out, which is very important. Listen to your elders when they warn you about things, even if they're super cryptic. Just don't do that. First rule of survivor. The men of the house decide to go out in the Hummer. Oh, God, who has Hummers anymore? Yeah, and like well, that must have been a Hummer product placement, right? Yes. Even in 2015, Hummers were passe. Yeah, no, they're bad. So they run into a snowplow that's blocking the road, but nothing's inside but presence, and they see that the window has been broken in instead yeah, of from the, the guy, outside. Yeah, instead of the guy flying out because he wasn't wearing a seatbelt or something like that. Back at the house, there are these creepy pattering footsteps upstairs and a big bang. Omi looks super worried as hell. Yeah. Tony Collette says, ah, it's probably just squirrels. And like knowing what Omi has been through, uh, as we Omi. do later in the film, why wasn't she more frightened? Like clearly she knows what's about to happen. I don't know. I think she just, she was hoping that maybe Except she could avoid fate. it. Yeah. Maybe if she kept the fire lit, she could help protect the family. Well, maybe she could have. Yeah. Oh, me. I'm sorry. They go into the boyfriend's house because Dumb. they figure maybe maybe our daughter's in there. I mean, maybe by this horror movie logic, the fact that she wanted to go have sex at her boyfriend's house means that she has to die. Yeah, that's probably true. They also, they go in and there's a bunch of like... They find a gingerbread man stabbed on the fridge. And at this point, I was like, just be wary of all Christmas things. At this point, <laughs> just just do it. Please. Yeah. I beg of you. Christmas, scary. Sacks of gifts, scary. Gingerbread men, scary. The whole scene in the boyfriend's house reminded me of the scene in The Thing where they go to a Norwegian... Have you seen the thing? No. Okay. So basically, it's this idea that this alien can look like other people. And it at the beginning of the film, it's in the shape of a dog that's being chased down by these Norwegian people. And the Norwegians die. And so they go to investigate the Norwegian, uh, like, hub, the science right. hub that they came from. And it's just a hot mess. And you, you realize afterwards what 
all the things happened, it's like foreshadowing for all the things that would happen to them. Yeah. And that's what this felt like with the the stabbed gingerbread yeah, man yeah. and the the fireplace that's all messed up and yeah. Yeah. Very much it's like a, a glimpse into, you know, twenty four hours in the future. Mm-hmm. As they're heading back from the boyfriend's house, Howard is the brother-in-law. He gets attacked by something in the snow, but Adam Scott shoots at it. And they head back to the Hummer, but the Hummer's been destroyed. Like, just completely fucked up. Like, there is no way they're going to be able to drive it at all. So they get back to the house. Tommy, Adam Scott, tells them to kind of like stay quiet. He doesn't want everyone to be in a panic. And he makes some comment to be like, oh, my, my leg must have gotten caught in a bear trap underneath the snow and max is like there's no bears around here what the fuck (laughs) also i don't know where it is i I figured it was la just making an assumption but it is extreme snowy so it's probably not probably chicago yeah chicago suburbs maybe or like new york like uh westchester or something like that i don't know it feels right hudson valley maybe so maybe so I just watched Blockers and I was like, oh, it's all the L.A. people in their L.A. homes. And then, oh, nope, it's just in Chicago for some reason. <laughs> Blockers is really good. Yeah, I enjoyed I really that. I really liked that movie. John Cena, surprisingly good actor sometimes. It was a perfect Netflix movie, which is how I watched it. It was very good. Tommy makes a comment about how Omi always gets a little weird around Christmas time, but we find out why later. No. Really appreciate it. It's really just setting all of the, all of the building blocks to Omi's mm-hmm. mysterious backstory. Mm-hmm. So the family decides that they're going to take shifts and go to sleep. No one pays attention to the fireplace. The it fireplace, went out, Julia. The fireplace goes no. out. And from the fireplace, a hook drops down with a gingerbread man attached to it. Horrible. It's Horrifying. Really bad. I hate it. And of course, one of the children, not not any of the uh, the main family's children, but the cousins, one of yeah. the cousins wakes up, notices it grabs the gingerbread man, bites it. The gingerbread man comes to life, wraps him in the chains, and pulls him up the chimney, knocking a log into the tree and lighting it on fire in the process. And Tony Collette grabs the child's legs and tries to keep him there, and they're all getting pulled up the fire. It's a hot mess. Yeah, it's also extremely scary. Like, this kid's getting kidnapped. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's very bad. And you kind of hear the daughter's voice in snatches. So I was thinking like, okay, maybe she is alive. Like maybe she's around. Like they heard it when they were in the house of the boyfriend. Um, But it seems like things are extremely going badly. And I was thinking like, oh my God, the property damage to this home. Like what's going to happen? How are they going to recover? Where is our like happy, happy ending going to be? There are, there are more important things at stake. There sure are. I'm sure they have insurance for Krampus. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be fine. It's all good. So tell me about this gingerbread man devil. Is there like any kind of, backing about gingerbread men coming to life or is this like a Christmas movie situation? I think it's a Christmas movie situation because a lot of this movie has to talk about the kind of, I want to say gentrification of Christmas. But <laughs> commercialization. The commercialization of Christmas. Right. And kind of going away from the sacrifice of giving, like Omi says. And the, she makes a comment later on that Krampus is a much darker, older version of St. Nicholas. So the fact that this kind of story predates our understanding of what like commercial Christmas is. Right. But I think that the Krampus story adapts in order to lure people in. So I, I, I like the interpretation of that for sure. But as I understand it, there are no evil, manipulative gingerbread <laughs> man in the original Krampus story. Well, we are about to learn a whole lot about Krampus and his backstory and why the hell Omi knows so much about him. But first, Jules, I am going to need a refill. Sounds good. Let's go. 
Jules, we are sponsored this week by Skillshare, and you know that we love Skillshare. We love learning new things. But did you know it can also teach you stuff about things that you already thought you were an expert in? No, tell me more about that. Yeah, well, I have been using Evernote, which is like a sort of like web bookmarking and clipping and like saving service. You can save like recipes or just notes of like stuff that you would write down during the day. You can save whole web pages like I save whole fix to Evernote so I can read the text of them later. And this week on Skillshare, I took a class called Productivity with Evernote with Lindsay C. Holmes, who's like a business and productivity consultant. And I learned so many things that I have not been doing in Evernote. Again, I've been a user for like 10 years and I didn't know some of the tricks that she had to teach me. It was awesome. That sounds incredible. I mean, learning something new about the thing you already knew a bunch about, that is awesome. Absolutely. And that is what Skillshare is all about. They're an online learning community for creators with over 25,000 classes on things that will fuel your curiosity, your creativity, and your career. And you can get two free months of Skillshare Premium, which gives you access to all of the classes that they have on the site at Skillshare.com slash Spirits2. That's Spirits and the number two. Skillshare.com slash Spirits2 for two free months of Skillshare Premium. Amanda, how have you been sleeping lately? Uh, not bad, except when I was visiting Long Island over the weekend for your bridal shower, which is completely lovely, and uh, stayed with my brother in a, a lovely like apartment that they have under their house that their roommate has, and then he uh, was away for the weekend, so he let us stay there. And there were just so many noises of birds. There were so Oof. many birds. It was like I was in an aviary at a zoo, and I did not birds. know that many birds could descend on one place at one time. Um, so apart from that, I've uh, been sleeping okay because, and this is true, I use Calm. Yeah. And you know what? So one in three U.S. adults doesn't get enough sleep. And the best part about Calm is they are here as the number one app for sleep. If you need help sleeping, Calm is the app to get for it. So sleep deficiency, as we all know, can cause some serious damage. It can mess with your brain. It can also mess with your body. You're more prone to accidents. You're more prone to like depression and stuff like that when you just don't get enough sleep. So with Calm, you'll discover a whole library of programs designed to help you get the sleep that your brain and your body needs. So soundscapes and hundreds of sleep stories narrated by soothing voices like Stephen Fry. We always talk about that Stephen Fry lavender story. It's so good. And it probably would have helped you, Amanda, knock out those sweet, sweet bird sounds that were keeping you awake. It's true, but I lost my phone charger and I couldn't use Calm. If I did, I bet I would have gotten to sleep a little bit sooner. Um, so listeners right now can get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which both of us pay for with our human dollars because we love mm -hmm. it so much, at calm.com slash spirits. Yep. Again, that's C-A-L-M dot com slash spirits. 40 million people have downloaded Calm Find out why today at calm.com slash spirits. And finally, Jules, we are sponsored this week by someone new, by Simple Contacts. I recently had to go through the experience of renewing my uh, glasses prescription and my antibiotic and my mental health medication in the same week and spent so much time on the phone. And I hate it so much. I had to visit like three different pharmacies. It's the worst. But Simple Contacts was designed to avoid this problem in particular for people who wear contacts. They are a website where you can go to take a self-guided vision test to just confirm that your prescription is still accurate and make sure you're still seeing 2020 with the prescription that you're given. Yeah, this isn't to replace your periodic full eye health exam. Keep going to those. Exactly. But to renew your prescription and get more contacts, it is super simple. It doesn't require a phone, a doctor. It's just your internet connection and five minutes of your time. 
They have all kinds of brands and types of lenses if you have something special. They have a five-star experience. They are rated five stars in the App Store like over 5,000 times. And I know that I always read reviews before trying a new thing. Mm-hmm. And it's also really reliable. It's designed by ophthalmologists and a licensed doctor reviews every single test that users take. So you can skip the office visit, but not the care. Yeah, I know I don't personally use contacts, but Jake does. And I've seen him spend hours on the phone trying to get his contacts renewed. And it's it seems like such a pain. So the good news is that listeners can get $20 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash spirits20 or just enter the code spirits20 at checkout. Again, that is simplecontacts.com slash spirits20 or the promo code spirits20 at checkout. Thank you, Simple Contacts. Now let's get back to the show. So Omi stops and tells them all, it's all our faults. Because, you know, that's not menacing at all. Thanks, Omi. Really encouraging. So there is a cool animated flashback. Animated expository flashback sequence. It was very good. Very Deathly Hallows. The, it's basically Omi lived in some sort of uh, implied German, maybe like East German. I figured it was like East West Germany, East yeah. West Berlin type thing. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I figured as well. And she talks about how the people of her town had forgotten the spirit of Christmas and the sacrifice of giving. Again, we're hitting those same notes over and over again. I, just, I don't know what that means. You like it's like the, like um, repentance? No, I think it's the idea. What's the dumb thing where it's like I cut my hair to buy you this thing? A uh, gift of the magi. Yeah, a gift of the magi style. I see. I don't think that's good though. Uh, but people <laughs> like to talk about that. I don't know. I, I don't have very strong feelings about it either way. I know. I just kind of like, like, I understand if this is at its core religious, but I guess they needed to find us a, a secular reason to to have like some kind of heart of Christmas that we're getting away from, mm-hmm. which is just sort of invented. Yeah. <laughs> and it's supposed to be about like, I guess, generosity and like kindness to family and right. things like that. But I was just kind of like, I don't know what you're supposed to be sacrificing or like repenting for. But yeah. the idea is that, yeah, exactly. Like you're saying, Krampus is here. There's just so many choice quotes. Do you want me to share some for you? Just to establishing Omi accidentally summoned Krampus when she was a small child. Yes. And I have a quote, much darker, more ancient spirit. Exactly. He's the shadow of St. Nicholas. He came not to reward, but to punish, (gasps) not to give, but to take. He and his helpers. (gasps) And so we clearly are setting up to find out about more helpers. Yes. Which I appreciate. And he fully dragged her family into the underworld. Like Omi became an orphan because she was like, hi, I need help. That's kind of fucked up. It's super fucked up. She probably grew up in an orphanage. That's so sad. Yeah. that. Her one doll was like cast into the flames. That's true. But she did cast it herself into the flames. Yeah, yeah. They tore it and then she's like, fuck you. Yeah. And then her parents got stolen. That's bad. It sucks. It super sucks. She also reveals the mysterious creepy bell that has Krampus's name on it. Howard doesn't believe any of it, of course, because why would he? Yeah, Howard is just here to shoot his gun and, and be manly. Seth Green played one of the fucking gingerbread men. That's funny. This is really funny. Sorry, I was just looking at the cast list because I had a, a thing coming up, but I was like, what? And Omi's a German movie star, but nothing that I have seen. Interesting. Yeah. Go Omi. Fucking crushed it. That act- she was a great actor. She was. I really liked it. Yeah. Creepy bells revealed, creepy creatures running around, and more scary snowmen outside. Next day is Christmas Eve. Yeah, and this is full like action horror movie time now, where they're just like fending off attackers from within and without. Yeah, so we start with the sister, Tony Collette's sister, 
is looking through presents and who i love that woman from she was in fargo yes yes she was i forgot what she was in but she's excellent so she is looking through presents up in the attic and hears something creepy but it's called downstairs to kind of plan the escape that they're gonna make yeah allison coleman she's so good there is a creepy voice that is coming from upstairs and i'm just like oh my god please do not follow the creepy voice no matter how much it sounds like your relatives don't do it i mean they do obviously and i was like don't go into the creepy attic oh it's so bad and i didn't get do you think it was like very cold and frost covered was it dusty i didn't really understand i guess just sort of frosty because it's cold in the house yeah it's anywhere not near the fire just gets very cold because we see their their breath kind of fog up when the fire goes out the night before but it's uh the most ominous attic maybe i have seen on film it's very bad yeah like it's all kind of lit in blue and we're really going full like put a blue filter over the camera because it is it is like that kind of horror movie now yeah so the twins are attacked by the jack-in-the-box which is so creepy it was very very good good practical effects it was excellent in the kitchen howard is attacked by gingerbread men from earlier the same one that came down on the thing plus two other ones like i said before seth green plays one of them very (laughs) weird not a fan and then the sister tony collette and Adam Scott all head to the attic to bad. try and find the twins. Scary and bad. And Tony Collette is attacked by a cherub angel kind a of thing. A creepy owl doll monster? Yeah. So really interestingly, I'm looking at the cast list, and they list the cherub as Perkta the cherub, which we talked about Perkta in the episode with Michelle Nicolaison. Oh, yeah, the German god. Yeah. Wow. Interesting, right? Yeah. I don't know what the connection is necessarily there. Right. But it, it, I think it's a really interesting choice that they made to name the character that it's not like they say the name yeah i mean maybe it was a, a subplot that ended up getting cut for time oh yeah maybe because they get that tight 90 tight 90 because it does come back like a couple of times but they're also attacked by a evil stuffed bear and a evil stabby robot yeah some... which all seem to have like burst out alien like from yes. the presence that she was wrapping earlier yeah it's extremely scary and bad one of the twins is shockingly not dead even though we see the jack-in-the-box swallow them i think in order to get into the vents i'm not entirely sure about this but in order to get into the uh the vents of the house i don't trust central air anymore <laughs> uh it seemed as though it regurgitated one of the twins i don't know that, in order to that, fit. that guy jonah and the whale to her or something. yeah something like that because they know that the the jack-in-the-box is in the central AC vents. They send the dog in there. Why would you do that? Oh, no. She's so sweet and wore a hat. Oh, man. Just don't don't kill the dog. It's the whole point of the movie. But, like, it is... Shit is dark, Julia. The dog dies. And then the parents very soon get sort of swallowed up by just the firmament outside. Yes, we'll we'll get to that in a moment. And that's when the elves arrive. I really liked the elves because... They just like no nonsense kind of just creepy guys in masks. Yeah, that's true. They put out the fire with some weird sparkler thing. I don't know how and why. They steal the baby. They do. They drag Dorothy, which is the Aunt Marge aunt, and the Jack in the Box and Howard away. Interestingly, so the elves are wearing these masks that kind of resemble the classic Krampus look. So yeah. the demon-esque faces, the long lolling tongue, yep. and the horns. So yep. I was like, I appreciate that because they're trying to like emulate their master, which is cool. I'm into yeah. it. No, it is. And we also don't get a great look at Krampus's face until um the the scene at the very end so it's nice to see some of that imagery we we see it when he faces down omi 
in like a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's what I'm saying is, is apart from that kind of one moment and then Max with him um, later, you know, we don't really see a ton about his features. Yeah. So Krampus arrives. The family tries to flee to the snowplow. Omi stays behind to sacrifice herself and to face so Krampus dark. one last time. Krampus appears out of the fireplace. He has the big old tongue. Yep. It's very long. It like licks the big old butterfly face. tongue. Yep. He opens the bag that he has with him and Omi is attacked by toys and we are immediately cut to the next scene. Yeah, I thought for sure there was going to be a tender moment and he was going to give her like her doll back from the fire back then in the flashback. Nope, none of that. He just straight up uh, consumes her and it is extremely dark. Yep, it's fucked up. The family nearly makes it to the truck but is attacked by the snow beast that attacked Howard earlier. Tommy sends the family ahead and is taken by like sacrifices himself yep. to the snow beast. All the adults are taken while the kids get into the snowplow which won't start of course. Yeah, they're like cr- ripped away from them. It is so dark, Julia. As they're trying to turn the key and like get the snowplow to start, it's really funny. Max says something along the lines of, "I don't know how to drive stick. We have a hybrid." Aww. Oh, man. It's like, oh, that's so fucking dumb. I love it. I know. And and the poor babe is eventually left alone as the other two kids are ripped from either side of him. Yeah, the elves attack and he's kind of left to himself. And Krampus faces Max, reveals the letter that summoned him, basically implies that Max is the example like Omi. But Max is like, nah, that doesn't sound good. I don't want to be an orphan like Omi was. Yeah. So he goes after his family and tries to save them. Just fully go into the underworld now. He tries to, quote, take back his wish. He then throws the bell, which opens the portal to hell or the underworld. Yeah, something like that. Yes. We also get the good look at Krampus here. And he looks very much like a Pirates of the Caribbean 3 character. Mm Mm-hmm. Like very much add some barnacles and he could definitely be like they might have like mapped on the same CGI like beard tentacles because there was a lot of similarity yeah. there. Did you see his good, good, creepy goat eyes? No. Oh, yeah. They had like the weird oh. slits that goats oh, do. No. Oh, yeah, no. I loved it. It was great. I don't. The one thing I don't like about goats. Thanks for finding it. You're welcome. Uh, Max tells Krampus to take him instead, but Krampus just kind of after a pause laughs and then throws Stevie into the underworld and then Max as well. Yeah. Uh, we then cut to Max in his room, and it's Christmas Day. It sure is, Jules. Yeah, it's it's all of a sudden like very dewy. Like the camera, like like you over enhance or like warm. put on that one Snapchat filter. It's like very warmly mm-hmm. lit and very dewy, and everyone's like it's snowy outside, but there are people there. Yeah, downstairs everyone is opening up gifts, and everyone's okay and back to normal. Max says it was all just a bad dream. Yeah, I I was like, oh yeah, classic nightmare. Love it, love it. Also, Dorothy has a classic line here that I fucking love, which is, I haven't felt this hungover since the Pope died. Julia, this whole movie was worth it Very just for that line. Very good. We're getting an okay sign from Brandon in the back, our studio engineer. Very, Thank very Thank you, Brandon. Good. People's and favorite character, by the way, of Multitude Now is yes. Brandon in the background of other podcasts. <laughs> it's great. So it was all just a bad dream, except mm-hmm. Max opens a gift and it's the Krampus bell. Everyone seems to kind of remember what happened. But no one says anything. I know. And then the house is revealed to be in a snow globe along with a bunch of other houses. Julia. In like so fucked up. In like Krampus's workshop or something like that. We pan backwards. So like, hey, I thought it was very well done when they all kind of looked at each other. Like Max took the bell out. Everyone kind of turned to look at it. And then slowly they were all having that realization at the same time. And it was legitimately horrifying. Yeah. Then it pans backward and backward from like through the living room window to the house. We pan back. 
back and I'm like, oh no, are they in a snow globe? We're in a bubble. This is horrifying. This is horrifying. And then it's even worse because they're in like a whole rack workshop of many other worlds like that. Yes. Bubble worlds, snow globe worlds, kids trying and daring to like wish for a, a more harmonious home life. What the fuck? I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I love it. I hate it. It's very good. No, it's very bad. Okay. I hate it. And then there's a jump scare at the end of all the toys and stuff attacking, but yeah it would have been so much better if they just cut to black there honestly in my opinion i felt but. extremely much like i had taken mushrooms or like had an extremely <laughs> bad trip accidentally of some kind cool I, I like that i appreciate it so please uh i thought this was again a very entertaining movie uh the ending was was horrible and i would love to watch someone who doesn't know it and watch it for the first time yes. speaking of the gingerbread men and elves and the various assistants what in the lore does krampus like what who is his posse who does he travel with so interestingly, Krampus is usually listed as a companion to St. Nicholas. Hmm. So the fact that St. Nicholas, one, has his own squad. Oh, yeah. And then Krampus also has a squad, I think, is a really cool parallel because Krampus is supposed to predate St. Nicholas in this version of the canon, right. which I think is really cool. And so I, I would assume that much like St. Nicholas has these companions that kind of help him out and do things um, Krampus also has the men. They reflected that with the elves and the strange versions of toys that we yeah. see. Yeah, it makes sense. It's like the the upside down world version of uh, Saint Nicholas and his you know good elves and reindeer exactly. and whatnot. Precisely. In terms of appearance, the Krampus is pretty accurate, all things considered. Usually he's hairier. I guess is a good way to describe it. Usually he's covered in like fur or hair, and it's uh, either brown or black, so it's more goat-like. Yeah. But I really liked this version of Krampus where it was like human but twisted in a lot of ways. It's very much more the traditional version of Satan or Lucifer that we see, except more Nordic, I guess. Yeah, like humanoid uh, in a big robe with like big kind of scary antler horns. Yeah. Uh, they also got the bells and chains down really well yeah. too remind which I really me what it. those have to do with actual Krampus he just like uses chains to chain up bad kids yeah basically so he he puts them in the sack which right. we saw before sure did and he, the versions depend on the region and stuff like that so either he drowns them just beats them with birch sticks in the sack uh-huh, uh-huh. or steals them to the underworld okay so, you know, one of those things. Listen, my dad drives around with like rope in his pickup truck, which I guess could seem very suspicious in case you have to like move some furniture or like you find a nice table on the side of the road and you want to like tie it to the bed of the pickup and like take it home. So I guess Krampus is just prepared all the time. Very Harry in the Henderson style. I appreciate it. <laughs> he also will sometimes eat them. We didn't get to see that so much. I mean, we saw it with the Jack in the Box, not yeah. Krampus specifically. I mean, no one leaves cookies for Krampus. No, that's Maybe why that's you gotta our eat children. <laughs> cookies for Krampus sounds like a high school fundraiser. Yes, it does. It really does. God damn. So yeah, overall, pretty accurate portrayals of Krampus. The some you know liberties taken with sure. the gingerbread men and the creepy, creepy toys and whatnot. But I think overall. Definitely gets the point across, definitely has the terrifying versions of Krampus that people who grew up with this tradition know and love. And uh, Tony Collette and Adam Scott did a great job. Yeah, that's very true. And I, I sort of liked as we went along this idea that, you know, the kind of spirit and, and malice of Krampus can like animate anything that it touches, where I was I didn't know actually when they were in the attic, if those toy like malevolent toy assistants 
had come in with Krampus or if they were just like toys lying around that got animated. And I, I sort of like that because the idea is he just sort of like sweeps in like a bad wind, you know, and, and just makes everything around him like weaponized and, and evil. Yeah. No, I think I think the implication was when they brought in that sack of presents. Right, right. Those were like incubating. Also, don't sign for packages that aren't yours, my dude. Oh. Well, they didn't sign for it. It was already there. He made a reference. He's like, oh, that's true. Oh, that must have been the guys in brown. <laughs> I was like, ah. Lol. DHL product placement. (laughs) So yeah, we got DHL, we got Hummer, we have a whole bunch of other ones. I don't know if that's good product placement though, because he dies. You know, I have a friend who works on movies and uh, tells me that when um, when companies like are going to be, for example, in the background of like a a street scene, like they're going to be a sign in a window, they just don't want like a murder to happen in front of their sign. Otherwise, everything else is okay. So this, I don't know, the DHL guy dies. Yeah. Don't know. Maybe it was just like, this guy worked real hard. I was also wondering throughout this whole movie, like who, like this is the best that a lot of people could do. And I just don't know who championed this script, who was like, this, this is the one, this is what had to happen. I want to see who directed it Because like every movie about the commercialization of Christmas is ultimately commercializing Christmas. Yeah. That's the true true. snow globe. That's the true long pan back. Yeah, that's true. We're all in it, Julia. All of us. It was uh, Michael uh, Daugherty who did, oh my God, he wrote fucking X2, the second X-Men movie, also Superman Returns. He did, however, write and direct Trick or Treat, which is my favorite horror movie anthology. Oh. It's very, very good. It also features Anna Paquin as a werewolf who is going to do her first kill, but it's ooh. but it's done all in the metaphor of like, ooh, you have to pick a guy to bring to this party. <laughs> ooh, you're going to, it's going to be your first time, but it's her first time doing a murder. I love it. It's very, very good. Oh, he also just did Godzilla King of Monsters, the one that just came out this year. Interesting. Interesting. Good for you, bud. Proud of you. Brandon thought that was funny, and I appreciate it. (laughs) Hometown boy made good. (laughs) Yeah, so final thoughts on the movie Krampus. I enjoyed the opportunity to revisit the Christmas season, not when it is being foisted upon me, but when I can dip in for a tight 90 and then uh, go and enjoy my uh, Christmas in July outside in the sun. (gasps) I didn't tell you the story of the first time I saw this movie. Oh, no. So we first saw this movie because Jake, for his town, would often do the like town haunted house. He yes. would help run it and organize it and put it together and stuff like that. So the guy who was in charge of it, who worked for his town, really, really loved horror movie stuff and really was excited for this movie Krampus that was coming out. So he ended up renting an entire theater. Oh, my. And... Everyone who was involved in the haunted house that year, he bought tickets for, and we all went and saw it then. Okay. I mean, with a with a haunted house crew, that's pretty good. It was fun. Honestly, I was like, the, this movie isn't the best horror movie I've ever seen, but it's not terrible. It's and fun. I got to see it for free. Aw. So. I, I bet I bet renting a movie theater, it's not as cost prohibitive as we thought it was as, you know, when we were kids. Probably not. It's yeah. probably somewhat cheaper. You probably like, because you're doing bulk, you get discounted tickets or something like that. I imagine. I don't know. Who Discounts. Say? The true spirit of Christmas. <laughs> Discounts are the true spirit of Christmas. <laughs> also, sacrifice of giving. Yeah. So listen to your Omi. Remember, never let the fire go out. And above all else, stay creepy. Stay cool. Thank you to our sponsors. Skillshare, the online learning community for creators, is offering you two free months of Skillshare premium at Skillshare.com slash spirits2. Calm is the number one app to help you reduce anxiety and stress and sleep better. Get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash spirits. And Simple Contacts is the most convenient way to renew your contacts prescription online. 
Get $20 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash spirits20 or use code spirits20 at checkout. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.